0: Thank you for joining us and tuning in to Core Voices. Don't forget that this is your space to use your voice. Send your questions and let us be here to support you through anything that you might be struggling with, that you might be curious about, questions that people have never answered for you before. This is a non-judgmental, open space. I ask you, to be mindful of that in the comments and to know that sometimes things are not so easy to talk about. Um, so before we jump in with any judgments or negative comments, if we can just pause and breathe and just be more supportive. I'm really grateful for everybody. This is wonderful. We've got India, we've got Portugal, London, Spain, Germany, this is beautiful <laughs> and more Delhi, I like this. I hope you're all staying safe in lockdown. I want you to use this space as yours. Email me to corevoices at gmail.com if you have any topics that you want us to address, if you have any guests that you want to suggest, or even if you'd like to be on the show yourself, reach out to us and support corevoices at corevoices.org or go and like our Facebook page. And without further ado, I want to introduce today's wonderful guest. For me, it's an absolute honor to have Krishna Kaur today on the show. She's somebody who I have admired from a distance for a very long time and today I get the chance to actually have a conversation with her virtually but this is a soul meeting and we're gonna do it on the internet with you all so you can join the conversation with us. Krishna Kaur is a master kundalini yoga teacher who's been practicing for more than 45 years. That is incredible. She's released two albums and uses these and the sound currents of her albums in her yoga classes to help lift the vibration of the teachings. Through her commitment and grace, laughter and tears, she takes her wonderful students on a journey of transformation from the beginning to the end of her classes. I would love to be in one of your classes, Krishna. (laughs) Krishna's passion has been working with youth for decades, And this led her to establish a non-profit organization called yoga for youth in 1998. youth are given tools to manage anger frustration and depression so they can access their own personal greatness connect with their breath and allow their words thoughts and actions to change the trajectory of their day krishna developed the teacher training curriculum for this program after witnessing miraculous transformations in young people there are now hundreds of trained teachers to support youth in schools, detention centers, community facilities, and hospitals in several different countries, including Mexico, China, Chile, Germany, Taiwan, Canada, and the USA. That is absolutely incredible. If you guys make a note of these two very important websites, go and check out yogaforyouth.org and Krishnakul.org krishna karki welcome thank you for being in this beautiful space satnam
1: satnam it's a pleasure to be with you i'm excited to be with you
0: <laughs> i love that we can connect internationally you're in la i'm in london we've got a wonderful audience who is joining us from all parts of the world That's
1: so amazing. I love that. Hello, hello, hello. I would like to say hello in your language just to make sure you were greeted and connected with, but it's beautiful to have you here and to be with you.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show, Krishna. Um, I wanna ask you, how are you with the current climate of things, specifically the racial climate around Black Lives Matter? How are you? (laughs) Wow. how much time do we have? <laughs> as much as you want.
1: <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm doing great. I'm totally grateful for everything that the Guru has brought. I'm grateful for all the universe has opened up to us. When this all kind of hit, except for Black Lives Matter, I was in Africa. I was doing a level two there in Ghana,
0: mm-hmm. with 10
1: people from all over the world. And uh, I found myself looking up into the beautiful open sky and just say, what do you want? You know, what do you yeah. want from us, oh, divine one? You know, here we have uh, the, the uh, COVID virus that's happening. We're having uh, uh, things happening in my, my community, my Sikh community that are causing us to have to really look at ourselves a little bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. And then not long after that, we get Black Lives Matter. It's like, yes, yes to all of it. it all has a purpose it all has a function and for me it's like I actually it's like a like an earthquake but it's more of a consciousness quake Mm. it's like a shaking up of the consciousness that that's that's, um forcing us to look deeply into who we are and what we're doing with our lives and how we're thinking how we're relating to to each other you know i realize that our culture is uh is steeped in all the things that we're dealing with, steeped in everything. You know, just the idea of uh, of looking at Black lives. They've been around for 400 years, you know. Are you just now noticing? <laughs> you know? And if you're just now noticing or getting another hit, then what happened between the first time you noticed and now? You know? And so it's, it's on both sides we're having to say, what am I missing? What did I miss? And how can I assure myself, my family, my community that I'm not going to miss this anymore, Mm -hmm. you know. But we have been actually um, raised by our culture, taught by our culture. We have been indoctrinated by our culture. And all the things that our culture holds, we hold also. Mm -hmm. And for us to stand up against that takes a lot of courage. (laughs) A lot of practice, a lot of courage, and a lot of caring. A caring that's so deep that it goes beyond our personal needs and desires. It goes beyond all that. We look at what is, how do we want this land, this world, this nation, this culture, this civilization, this community to be going forward? What can I, what can I leave here that will allow it to be uplifted in the way that everyone feels nourished? So I'm on that trip. I'm on the idea of saying, okay, and you know, I'm being safe. I'm, I'm quarantined in my home. I'm not traveling, which is weird because I travel a lot, you know, and I have had to cancel all of my, my traveling engagements. Uh, so it's a little strange and it's it's interesting. And learning to do things online, which I've been a very, uh, I prided myself in being a very committed anti-high tech person. <laughs> So here I am, you know, having to eat those words, <laughs> <laughs> having to just take my little low, low-tech self and raise it up a bit, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, I can't be with my people who are all over
0: the place. I have to be with them, you know. So there you go. It's an opportunity for us all to be trying to learn in different ways, right?
1: That's right. You know, <laughs> and, uh, I keep thinking about the days when we had those punchy typewriters, you know, ding 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 ding. You know? <laughs> And here we are. And it's, uh, it's interesting because as these technologies are advancing in a way that makes things more accessible, we realize that, that they're not always true. The things that we're engaging with, they're not factual, like the, we thought the books we read in high school when I was growing up were factual. You know, <laughs> Well, the internet and all these things, it's not factual, it's personal. Yes. And to be able to sit through that and decide from all of that, where do I sit? What do I really believe in, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for that, I think it's, it's forcing us, it's forcing us, I think, uh, to really access and look deeply at our our core beliefs, you know? And these are things that were cultivated by our parents, cultivated by our culture, but cultivated by the times, but we each have to own that and find a way to say what that is, you know? Yes. What do you call it?
0: <laughs> so... How did you feel when you heard the news about George Floyd? I mean, he's just one of many who have lost their lives, black people who have lost their lives in just recent weeks. How did that make you feel?
1: Well, you know, uh, there was a song. It was a, um, a beautiful song that was used to be sung. I'm not sure if it was in the churches or if it was even in the theater, where it said, Another Man, Then Gone. Another man and gone, another man done gone, and that's what I felt when I saw the others who were gone. You know, I mean, I, I've seen so many, so many whose lives have been just snuffed out. I've seen so many who have been choked. You know, I have not witnessed a lynching, not like they used to have, but I've witnessed lots of other uh, more subtle lynchings, not so dramatic as hanging from the tree. But still, a person's life has is, is been snuffed out. And it's not always the physical life. It's sometimes just the spiritual life. It's the mental life. It's the emotional life. It's the intelligent life. <laughs> it's the creative life that gets kind of like choked out and not allowed to uh, express itself. So when this happened with uh, George Floyd, it was just, it was another one, but it changed when everyone took to the streets. Yeah. That's that's the only change. That's the only difference is that somehow because of COVID, (laughs) people were home, they were quarantined for two months and they just was glad to have an excuse to get out there in the street, you know? So it was an opportunity, but it was also the times as well the awakening of the conscience of this planet is so subtle, but that was a uh, like a trigger mm-hmm. that gave people the permission to look at themselves, look around them and say, okay. And I remember people that I was engaged with for so much of my life. I've always been involved with, with a multicultural community of people, you know, whites, Mexicans, you know, whatever, African, whatever. They were all a part of the family. Mm-hmm. But there was one time when I, this one lady came to me and she said, you know what? I didn't even notice that you were black. I said, why not? <laughs> What's with well noticing that I'm black, you know? Right. invisible? That doesn't make me feel good to be invisible, to be mm-hmm. neutral. That's, I'm, I'm not happy to be neutral. I am, I'm black. I'm black and I'm proud, <laughs> you know? So acknowledge that and be okay with that. But don't feel like for you to be okay with me, you have to not acknowledge me as being who I am, you know, but George Floyd, social media came together, you know, George Floyd and, and uh, social media came together. If it wasn't for the social media, it would have just been another black man that was gone, you know. And they have all kinds of easy excuses to make for it and oh, this or that, explain it away.
0: Mm.
1: And not only that, it was because you guys did it in Europe and you did it in Switzerland and you were in the streets, you know, in Mexico, you were in the streets in Canada. It's like, oh, my God, you know, (laughs) this is not just something happening here in this country, in this culture, that's trying to be awakened, but it is the world is awakening and saying, wait a minute, how long can this go on? You know, yeah. so beautiful. I am happy. I'm cautiously happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think what you said is it's really deep because for you, this became normal, right? It's just another man, another one gone. And I think in the eyes of the world, the difference was we couldn't close our eyes anymore We couldn't claim ignorance anymore because that video went across the whole world. It went viral on the internet where people are seeing the life leave George's body in such an inhumane way because we're taught and conditioned that society is built to serve us and infrastructures are put in place to protect us. We hear stories that contradict that, but if we haven't experienced it firsthand, we tend not to believe it. And when you when you are forced to watch this and to see this, you can't ignore it anymore.
1: That's right. That's right. We we're we're, uh, we're so right about that. We're we're socialized into uh, defining it in a such a way that it doesn't have to force us to act or to look at ourselves very deeply. Mm. We have a very safe way as a society to be able to define whatever it is that went on that relieves us of the pressure. Or the burden or the opportunity to look within ourselves and say, what am I doing? You know? right. And the fact that we could hear his voice, his voice. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, I welcome it. I welcome all of that's going on around right now. And my prayer is that we don't get so caught up in trying to fix things that we forget or don't realize that it's not fixing something as much as it is changing something. Hmm. change that I'm talking about is consciousness, because behavior follows consciousness. When the consciousness shifts, behavior automatically shifts, but as long as we're still out there trying to make sure we got the best job, our kids are going to the best schools, you know, we got the right people in, in power. You know we're working to solve the problems and fix things and fix things and solve the problem fix things and not change anything <laughs> ain't nothing gonna change not for long you know there'll be little microscopic movements towards something but nothing that really can recognize the difference
0: right.
1: so we have to look at ourselves and say what am i what am i missing white people have to say what am i missing how am i seeing this What is my mind telling my heart? What is my emotions telling my mind? You know, what am I, what am I trying to hang on to? What am I trying to protect that doesn't allow me to actually look at this and see it clearly for what it is, you know, and decide that I did this. (laughs) Hmm. I did this. Maybe not by my hands, but by my, by my direction for my life, Hmm. by my culture by my, um, uh, by my goals, you know? You look at the fact that people in the, if you live in the same neighborhood, and those who have the wealth, who have the opportunity, who have the right color of skin and the right color of everything, they can t- send their kids to one place to go to school, or the others will send to another place to go to school because that's just what's available. And who doesn't want the best for the children? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? We all do. <laughs> we That's all tough. do. And and, and yet and still, we want them to be the best this, have the best grades, go to the best this. Da, 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 da. What about the best character, the best consciousness, the best ability? You the, know?
0: Best humans, right?
1: the best humans, right? best humans. I love what uh, Deepak Chopra said to his kids. He said, uh, I don't care if you go to the best schools. I don't care if you get the best grades. I don't care if you get the best... Job and you can make a lot of money. I don't care about any of that. I only care that you find out why you were born, why are you here, what is your divine purpose in this life?
0: Mm.
1: And you find a way. How can you use that to uplift others? So if you don't get a good job and, and, and earn a lot of money, I'll I'll support you. <laughs> wow! But I want you to figure that out. And I that's say, an awesome dad. <laughs> it is. It is. It is because there's so much out here to seduce us into wanting the best cause gated communities why not you know vacations to the beaches and other places why not who wouldn't want that but there's got to be something that comes up before that
0: yeah no i agree with you there's i mean recently people are educating themselves themselves more more so than they were before about the equity gap which is massive um and it, it doesn't just exist in one country, it exists in different countries. So in the US, you know, we recently, just a few weeks ago, one of my wonderful guests on was teaching us about what redlining is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and there's a similar thing which happens in Punjab as well, in India, um, where particular areas are deliberately deprived. Um, and it's, it's structured that way and it can only change when everybody educates themselves about what's going on and actually leans in to to bridge that gap and i think the real test is going to be when the world goes back to normal and we go back to our regular lives we're going to work what are we doing there are we still operating in the same way that we did before all of this happened or are we doing anything to make space for our black and colored brothers and sisters right
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's my question also. What happens when the pandemic is over?
0: Yeah.
1: You know what happens then? What happens when the, when the when the people in the street are no longer out in the street? Yeah. What when the, when the news media is not promoting it on the news as heavily? What happens then? You know, uh, and and that's something that has has kept it going for four hundred years, because there's a burst of of, of thought, a burst of of, of uh, focus, and a reason behind it, and then you go back to work as normal and, and that becomes not as important or not as visible. So again, it's consciousness, you know? We have to be awake, not just for a moment, but all the time. And be willing to make the adjustments within oneself that will last, you know? So, That's
0: uh, it. Um, Krishna, there's so many things I wanna ask you and I could talk to you forever and I'm sure that we're gonna have many more conversations after this. Um, okay. I know that there's some obvious questions that a lot of people are probably wondering, and, you know, me included. I would love to know what inspired you to connect with your spiritual path. Um, I don't want to make the assumption that you're a practicing Sikh. If you can share with us, like, you know, where your spirituality lies and your connection with Sikhi, that would be amazing.
1: <laughs> okay, it's, it's definitely a journey. And it's uh, it surprised me that I, Found my path here. Um, I came from a family and my mother always said that God is everywhere. Doesn't matter how you worship God, just find that which makes sense to you and honor it. And so, you know, I became a Catholic. My mother was church, religious science. My grandmother was a Baptist. My auntie was, my stepfather was Methodist. We all had different faiths. And we would go around visiting each other's churches every now and then and uh, on the same day. And they'd all be preaching the same sermon seemingly. And yet they'd always end by saying, and we're the only true one. I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know? But he said the same thing. And he said, he's the only true one. She said, you know, what's going on? So I knew that somewhere along the way, I would have to find out how I wanted to go to worship God. Mm-hmm. And I I was searching and searching and searching because it turned out that the Catholic faith, though beautiful, was not my faith anymore. You know, I kind mm-hmm. of outgrew it, you might say. And it took me several years of searching, visiting churches, visiting places, synagogues and all kinds of things. I learned an African religion. I learned all these different things trying to figure out what is mine, you know? Mm-hmm. And this, and at some point it just sort of, uh, I gave up on it. I yelled at God and said, okay, forget it. You know, either you show me the right way or whatever. I'm not gonna try anymore cause I'm trying too hard and it's not happening. So to stop trying. Mm-hmm. And I guess within a few months I was met Yogi Bhajan and I was traveling with him to India and he had me uh, traveling with him as his personal attendant, so I was there, you know, doing all the little duties that a personal attendant would do for him, which was taking care of his food and his all the things. Then we went to the Golden Temple, which I had heard about the Golden Temple, but I just another temple, as far as I was concerned. I've seen a thousand of them, you know, about it a thousand of them. Yeah, <laughs> just one more, only it has gold on it. You know? <laughs> but uh, I got there, and I it was, it was just nice. It was very noisy, you know, and it was uh, very busy. I walked around and walked around for a while, looking at things and, you know, trying to understand what people were doing and why. And then I found myself on the main floor, right behind the city of sub, and something changed in me. It was like, I, I felt familiar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it smelled familiar. It sounds were familiar. And I began to just feel something happen to my body. And I started to smile and say, is this it? <laughs> Is this it? You know? Is this what I was traveling through Europe looking for, traveling through Africa looking for, trying to find it in every country, in every place I went in the United States looking for it? Is this it? Mm-hmm. And, then I, and I just started to laugh. I just started to laugh. Like I, I just felt like I'd been there before, like I knew everything. I understood everything. I understood why everything was the way it was, you know? And even though it was uh had this constant buzz in it, mm, it was this this vibrational buzz that wasn't quiet like the Catholic Church buzz, you know, there was still a peacefulness that was there and a strength as well. People coming in and out, and moving through it. It just felt like this is just your everyday life. It's not something you do only on Sundays. That's what I was looking for. I'm looking for a, a way to worship God that that you worship every day and that um you know and and that it just becomes a part of your life and that I'm a part of a community you know those are the things that I really wanted and I thought that this is if I find this then I will have found my faith wow. and I found it and I uh I didn't know much about it except that i I knew that I was uh, i found my my home you know and then reading the stories and learning more about it of course they enriched me a lot you know I I always was kind of a tomboy and I liked, you know, doing things with strength, you know. So I was very inspired by the stories of the gurus and and the warriors of them, spiritual warriors were there. I said, yes, you can be a, a person of spirit and consciousness and devotion and love, but also be a warrior too, you know. You could stand for righteousness and die for it, mm-hmm. you know. If you look back through all the different religions that I looked at, you know, always people die for that. You know Jesus died on the cross for it. You know, right. and I remember one what, what that he said. He said, uh, "Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. They know not what they do." Mm-hmm. Said, oh, "Yes, yes." And so all the stories of the Sikh that that echo that. You know, when Guru Arjun was on the hot plate, you know, and Mia Mir was saying, "Tell me what you do, and I'll stop it. Tell me what you do, and I'll stop this. I'll stop that." And he said, ah, am Mir, just take a, a strand of my hair and make glasses out of them and then step back and see what's really going on, you know? And he did. He saw that Guru Arjun was stoking the fire, you know? He was putting the wood on it. And he was, it, it, again, it's God and I me, mean, me, and God are one. There's no separation. And that case, for me, point me in a direction where God does not exist. In that direction, you know? If I believe what I believe, and I've always believed it, I just found a faith that managed man, my belief, you know. <laughs> then uh, there's no place I can look, no place I can see, no place I can go, where God does not exist. There's no person, however weird or wrong they might be, that God does not exist in there. I may not like what they do. I may not like how they're showing up. I may not like a lot of things about them. I have to acknowledge the fact that, as my mother said, God is everywhere. As Guru says, if you can't see God at all, you can't see God at all. You know? Right. So if you go out to the Ardhas every day, it says, uh, see, see the faults in others, and then unsee them. <laughs> see. You're not denying, you're not pretending that something didn't exist. You're seeing this is wrong. This is not right. This is terrible. This is hurtful. This is this. This is that. This is great. This is wonderful. This is stupid. And then unsee it, unsee it. First you see it, then you unsee it, because you then the mind sees it, then the spirit comes in and says yes, but, and this too, is God. Wow. So, I I live my life on that, and I, I and I find myself slipping, and I find one of those quotes. That reminds me, reminds me, and it doesn't mean that I'm demeaning something or standing up for something. It just means that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be me and gotta <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> and that's, and that's it. So I find that bowing at the golden temple, bowing at all the places of pilgrimage, you know, taking the ablution, doing my bath, doing my japji every morning, all these things reinvigorate and remind my soul, my conscience, my spirit, my fears and all that. Of who I am, yeah. and who's taking care of me, and why I'm still here.
0: <laughs> just, wow, <laughs> I mean, everybody has their own path to finding their destiny and their calling. Um, we often think, and a lot of Punjabis and Sikhs think this way that we inherit from our parents. You know, because my parents, technically, the name God and Singh can't be inherited, you have to give your head to receive those names. Because they're not just names, they're titles that you have to uphold and honour. But we've fallen fallen into this cultural tradition that because my parents had this in their name, it means now they pass it on and that becomes my name, almost like the culture of when you get married and you change your surname and all of that good stuff. for some people, it's a little bit, little bit difficult and challenging to comprehend that. How can it be that you can come into an unknown space and connect the way that you did from the heart? Because they think with the mind, they think it has to happen in a different procedure.
1: You know, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I realize that my soul that has incarnated many, many times it's not always uh, been a black body. Yeah. I know that because I like everybody's music. <laughs> I like Chinese music. I like Indian music. I like Spanish music. I like I like everything. <laughs> so I just say, you know, this is where my soul landed this lifetime. In this lifetime, I will live this life, this soul, this experience fully. You know, and what I also learned is that, uh, which I like to say, is that. Uh, that, the soul when it's ready to incarnate, it finds a longitude and latitude of where it needs to drop down. It drops down there. (laughs) So I said, okay, you know, so I could have been anything, right? Could have been anything, but, uh, this is where it chose. And so here I am. Mm -hmm. And there's lessons for me to learn here in this body at this time. Uh, there's lessons for me to learn in the, in the challenges that, that, I'm going through as a black woman, as a woman, and as a black woman. Um, there are things that I already know from incarnations upon incarnations of reincarnating <laughs> and having to deal with these same issues in some way or another. You know? yeah. And uh, so I, I humble myself before that and I try not to uh, be too hard on myself. You know. I try to remind myself that I'm I'm still becoming, you know. When, uh, when my teacher gave me the name Krishna Kar, I rebelled against it. I didn't like it, you know. I said, oh, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> at that time, there were uh, a lot of the Hari Christians in the airports and they were being an anno- a, nu- a nuisance and annoyance. And I didn't want to be associated with that. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I learned more, I said, uh, Krishna, Karesana, Karesana, that blackness out of which comes the light, you know, that void, that emptiness out of which comes the light. So, okay, I will learn, I will figure out how I can, whatever it is that is my karma Mm -hmm. to hold, to be, to go through, I will know that somewhere in me is also the possibility to figure it out, you know so it's, it's a journey
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely what inspired you to wear a turban
1: oh I'm glad you asked me that I was the first
0: you were the first
1: I was the first Sikh in the US in the west to tie this turban before the women were wearing their hair in rishi knots with a little doily over it a little mishy not cover over it
0: what year was that
1: 70 69 70 when I got involved it was in 1970 and they were all wearing these little dollies and things and that was fine but back in the uh mid 60s when I was still living in New York mm-hmm. I, I decided I was going to wrap my head African style this is African style you know so African women and I would make my clothes or make a dress, but add extra fabric that I could use to wrap my hair with it. And I did it. You know, I did it when I was in New York. I did it when I was hitchhiking through Europe. I did it when I was uh, in Africa, you know, because mm-hmm. I wanted to just feel that African thing about myself. And so when I got involved with this, I just kept wrapping it. But I didn't have a lot of different, you know, colors and things. So I would, I would use old discarded <laughs> turbans. People, so it would be pink, it would be blue, it would be yellow, it would be this and that, you know. And then finally it just sort of got to this. And one of the um, staff members, because I was living with Yogi budget for a while, um, one of the staff members asked me to show them how to tie this turban. Because we had discovered there were some women in India that uh, that wore black wraps like this underneath their chunis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were trying to figure out how... We could sort of move, I guess, and to become more like that. you like could the armadari seeks or something. I'm not sure. Yes. Okay. So then uh, I showed her how, to, how I did it. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, your hair is a little slippery than mine. Mine's a little bit, you know. <laughs> it might hold my hair. My hair will hold it better." Uh, and so she tried, and then she gave up on it. And then the another staff person came and asked me to show her how to do it. A few days later, a few weeks later, and I showed her, and I gave her some ideas, and uh, she showed it to uh yeah, he, he says, great, not every woman should do it. <laughs> <laughs> <No. Center. laughs> no. So, sign so up, you know. It's cool. I didn't care. <laughs> but I love it when I get the question because I think, you
0: know, I didn't just do this because I came here. I was doing this before I got here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So you yeah. set the friend back in the day.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. How beautiful. Because, I mean... At first, I wasn't sure, you know, do, do I call it a turban? Do I call it a head wrap? Because I have a lot of African women friends who wear a head wrap, and we often have those conversations as well. Yeah. It's easy for us to assume that it's turban. <laughs> it's
1: really well when people say, oh, your turban is not a turban, it's a head wrap. You know, mm. Yours may be a turban, mine's a head wrap. Well, <laughs> now I soften my little attitude about that, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a turban.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, I I am so interested in your your journey of Sikhi because your first connection was, you're saying when you went to the to the Golden Temple, and it was what you felt within you that made you recognize that you found your, your home. Yeah. And what did your practice look like from there? You, you then delved into the Japji and looking into Sikh history. Did you, look at, did you read up anything else or what else did you do? I'm, I'm really interested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I did. I did a lot of reading. Um, but mostly I, I didn't try to rush into all the intellectual information about it. It was mostly the experience. Since it was experience that I recognized, that was what drew me, that's what keeps me, and that's what uh, fueled me. I'm still not a very intellectual person when it comes to all the historical knowledge and wisdom of it, but I I I know I know what it means to me. And I I gravitate towards all the all the history that I understand about it, you know. So it was a gradual process. I started off first just uh, you know, learning learning to read Jepji first phonetically and then reading good and looky. Um, but I was also learning a lot about the mantras. I was very attracted to while I was in India, I was drawn to the Ekongkar Satnam, City Wahiguru. That just took my heart. Mm. Took my heart. And uh cry. I remember <laughs> oh. walking around in the on the land wherever we were. And, my arms were up in the air and my face was turned to the heavens and I would just echo car, you know, as if I was asking God to just come in my heart and just stay with me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that sound current. It's that uh, listening to the Shabbos being played in the temple, you know, bowing, dipping. Suddenly, mm-hmm. I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't socializing with people. I wasn't talking a lot about anything. I wasn't, uh, I didn't know anybody in the group that was with us. I knew no one. I was just alone. I was just a black girl in search of God, you know?
0: <laughs> oh. and, uh,
1: that was a book that someone found for me in New York and said, here, you should read this because I was searching so much for my way, my path, my understanding. And, and I kept that in my heart. I'm just this little black girl in search of God, you know? And so. When I found something, I lived with it. I held it close and I learned something else. i grabbed grab that and i bring it in close to me and i practice it. Chanting uh, to get around us was, opened my heart so much. Um, the echo car was the first thing that grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Car, somehow, city of Oaxaca, And I found myself just... My own version. It wasn't any kind of rug or anything. (laughs) It was just me, and I'm walking along in the the, on this mango farm where we were staying for a while, just getting lost in the in the foliage there, and just praying to God. And that was. And I I and from then on, I was learning shabbats and learning shabbats and learning shabbats and learning learning shabbats and. you know, I, it's terrible because I've gotten so far away from it now. I, I have to go back and rehearse a lot before I can play anything. <laughs> but um, it's it it soothes my soul. It really is the um, the answer. You know, it's like the it's the vibration. It's the frequency. It's the subtle sound current that just kind of like goes deep inside. You know, and just says, "This is who you are. This is who you are." You know. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, <laughs> oh, please don't apologise. It's so beautiful. I'm really grateful for you to share yeah. your journey with us, and it's inspiring for all of us. There's so many of the viewers who they're, they're writing in the comments, appreciating everything that you're sharing. So thank <laughs> you for being open and vulnerable with us.
1: <laughs> oh, I do.
0: I, I would also like to ask you what role kundalini yoga plays in your life?
1: Wow, that's my foundation. That keeps me walking on the planet. That gives me a way to serve. That gives me a way to be strong. That gives me a way to keep my body healthy. It gives me a way to just understand how my mind works, you know, and how what, uh, what I'm supposed to be doing with myself. You know, It, it it's everything for me, you know. So, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: so it it, uh, it's, been, it's 25 years you practiced.
1: Yeah, for, gosh, since 1970. Wow. Practicing and teaching, you know, since 1970. I taught my first class and I think it was October of 1970. You know? Wow. And uh, I didn't know at the time that I, that I could teach anything. Uh, you know, I had no idea that, um, that I knew anything. I've been practicing it for months. It was changing my life for months. Uh, it helped clear my head for months. Uh, it gave me a place to land for months. But I didn't know that I knew enough to teach anybody. But then I was pushed out to teach. <laughs> and I taught, and I was shocked at how much I knew, how much I understood, and and I was I was good. It's like I've been teaching all my life. <laughs> You know, and it just sort of planted the seed and I began to teach from then on, you know, and that was just my, that's that's my container, you know.
0: And what inspires you to keep teaching today?
1: Same thing that I've always done, just sharing with others, just seeing how how much we can shift something inside of us. When I talk about the... Black Lives Matter in terms of not uh, not just trying to fix things, but to change our consciousness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In order to change your consciousness, sometimes you have to still the things inside of you that are interfering with you being who you are. Mm-hmm. That's stress. That's trauma. That's drama. That's attitude. That's habitual way of seeing yourself in relationship to your world. That's all of these things are ingrained in your soul, but also in your organs and your glands and your nervous system and your brain. And all this stuff is affected by this frequency, right? And uh, until that can become stabilized, until that can be... So I need to uh, have a little tissue here. Oh, honey, honey. May I take a little break for a second?
0: Yes, of <laughs> course. Yes, tissue. Keep no problem. No oh, problem. I'll be right back. No problem. <laughs> It's so beautiful to have Krishna gaur with us to share everything that she's been sharing. And it's always beautiful to get an insight into somebody's personal experience. It's often different to what we see from a distance. Um, and things might look easy, but I don't think there's any path that is actually easy when you're walking on the path. Um, and it's easy to throw judgment. Um, that's something that I've seen and experienced myself, that people... Judge before they try to lean in and understand. And I'm grateful that everybody here in this space is so supportive to being understanding and trying to learn because this is an opportunity for us to better ourselves, learn from each other's experiences, and improve. Hi, Krishna. Welcome <laughs> back. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Right. Well, you know, I, uh, I grew up in the theater uh, and I was a dancer. So uh, my body was very strong and I always used it a lot, you know, and I I always go to it to, to find myself uh, defragging myself, you know, and so forth. So doing yoga was just an, a natural, easy slip for me to come into, you know, just to get my body stabilized and neutral and healthy, keeping it healthy. Uh, so it, it, it fuels me on that physical level, which is why I think that, there's a wonderful combination between Sikh Dharma and Kundalini Yoga. You know, it's like the the yoga keeps me as a warrior, keeping myself healthy and strong, you know, mm-hmm. and the Dharma keeps me as a being, as a human being, you know, as a conscious person. It, it just, it so they work together. And uh, it's my way of also just being able to help people. At first I thought I just wanted to, just make sure that my community was going to be okay, the black community that I served. I went down, I was teaching in my community first of all, and then I discovered that, gosh, you know, this technology will help these kids who are in the gangs to deal with their anger. It'll help people who have been abused to stop feeling frustrated. It'll help people who have, uh, have illnesses because they're holding so much stress in them. It'll help them to heal from an organic way inside of themselves. It'll give them an an option. Mm. It gives them a chance to change their mind, you know. You can change your mind. You can change your mind. You can change your frequency. You can change what you're thinking. You can change the way you're thinking. You can change the way you feel about yourself. You can defrag yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Defrag, right? (laughs) Put everything in a place where it, it fits. It's working there. And it starts to get a little bit miscombobulated. You know, go back and readjust. Reset. Hmm. Reset, you know, and, and that's what I I I want these children to know. That's why you, is they, that they you know, do to, to begin yoga for youth. Yoga for youth. I want them to have a way to reset. I want to I want to help disrupt that school to prison pipeline hmm. that these kids are caught up in, that the system is pushing them through hmm. because these private. these prisons are now privatized, you know?
0: Right, that is...
1: And the minute they became privatized, they passed the three strikes law in California. That said, You get three felony strikes and you're automatically going to get shoved in jail for 25 years to life. What? 25 years to life is an automatic sentence if you get that third strike. Now, the third strike could be you stealing a candy bar (laughs) at a convenience store. You know, that's, exactly. that could be anything that they want to call it a felony offense.
0: So that essentially means that the the for-profit private prisons control the policing.
1: Well, there's there,
0: there, synchronicity in order to decide how many strikes somebody has and how that works. Who qualifies to be sentenced to 25 years to life for minor offenses? Yep.
1: They're privatized and they're businesses that are running out of there. You know, they're businesses that make purses and coats and and take care and clean fish and make furniture in those prisons. And those prisons are prisoners are paid like maybe $20 a week. You know, and everybody's happy because uh, they're not fighting among themselves because they got some money to buy cigarettes and a few things that they need, you know, and the businesses are happy because they got all this labor. That's slave labor, you know. This, this is where the new plantations are now in the prison system, you know. And the wardens and all the, the guards are happy because everyone's not fighting each other. You know? oh, God, it's so difficult to hear this. It's, 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 it's a very um, unhealthy situation. But I, when I heard that that three St- strikes law had been passed in California, I was so hurt and so upset. So I just saw all of our little black kids being shoved in these prisons, you know. And as it as it is now, the uh, sentencing is not equal, you know. You know, it takes a lot less evidence to convict a black person than it takes to convict a white person of the same kind of crime. You know? So it's it's it is uh it, it, it's it's it just hasn't stopped for 400 years. It's just kinda say changed its shape a little bit, you know. But like you said, when we awaken our own consciousness, you know, then these things can shift for people and they will stop allowing this to happen. So my first my first uh, trainings with these youngsters were in detention facilities where they were locked up during time at the mm-hmm. age of 14, 15, 16 years old. And I was determined to just give them skills and tools that they could use that would not allow them to connect that third strike. That was my intention. Mm-hmm. you know. So for years I was traveling way up to Malibu <laughs> in places where these detention, detention facilities were to provide these teachings. And then we started working in schools and then we started training people other places. Like in North Carolina, we have a beautiful program in North Carolina. And in Virginia, Maryland, we have a beautiful program there. We've had them in different places around the world, Chicago and so forth, but they have not all sustained themselves because there's financing issues, you know? And most of these poor schools don't have a lot of money to be able to afford it. And some of our teachers need to be paid. So we just have to keep working on that. But that was my motivation, just to try to interrupt that school to prison pipeline you know, and uh, it, it still is my motivation, and it's my, uh, my determination to train as many people as I can, as we can as an organization, to teach this, the skills, and specifically of Kundalini Yoga, because Kundalini Yoga has more technology in it than any other style of yoga combined. It, so it has a lot of breathing techniques. It uses mantra, it uses uh, Kriya, it uses, you know, all the philosophy. You know, because sometimes you have to learn how to think too. <laughs> you know, you, you can't just go out here and, and have yourself physically fit. You have to be able to change your mind, remind your mind about what you're going to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do I change the way I'm thinking so I can change what I'm getting <laughs> and how I'm receiving what's coming to me? Right. So it's a really, it's really a very uh, important program. And uh, I, uh, I welcome everyone to you know to support it or to think about it or to look at ways that we can give our children a better chance at changing the way they allow the things around them to affect them.
0: I think we all have a responsibility in that and I'm just I'm really I'm learning a lot in these beautiful shows that we're hosting every week. I'm being educated at the same time and um, I'm really truly grateful for that, I'm really sad to know that as humans we can still behave like this, but the one thing that you were talking about earlier was Guru Arjan Devdi on the hot plate, that it's him everywhere, it's ultimately everything is within Guru's hukam, that doesn't make any of it okay. Yeah. is that we have to see where we can show up to act and to support and come together as community and I'm yeah. grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing and I want everybody who's tuning in to go and support Krishna's amazing work. Go and check out yogaforyouth.org and see how you can get involved. You, have, you can all step forward to support the people, the vulnerable people, young people that need this support. Um, so, as we were discussing before we uh, went live, um, I'm referring to that I've been practicing Nag Yoga from the tradition of the Sikh Gurus for the last almost 18 years. Yes. Um, and the technology there is centered around learning how to master your emotions and communication using the vads and the shabads of the Guru as well as the musical instruments. Yes. So, I do a lot of work around mental and emotional well-being. And when I'm in L.A., I would love to come and support the work that you're doing.
1: Oh, that would be so exciting if you did. It would be such a treat for them and for me, and for our teachers. It would be wonderful to have you do that. So it's, you know,
0: this is, this is um, a genuine, like a real thing that I want to happen. That's why I'm doing it on a public platform. Okay. Right corner. you to it. <laughs> yes, yes yes, yes. But you're doing much needed work and we if we can break the cycle in the earlier stages then i think we, we were able to do something something positive right
1: yes kids them young you know you know uh, they learn a lot in the womb yeah and when they come out they're still learning trying to figure it out and then they slowly become socialized into certain ways of a being yeah, catch them early enough and give them another choice. Give them a way to just see themselves differently, you know. Yeah. Give these kids a chance to see that this is not who you are. This behavior is not who you are, you know. This is who you are. You're a great being. You're a great soul. You're a great spirit. You can do great things, you know. You're here to do great things. And I see you. I see you, and I know that's what you can do. And then just watch all this fear just melt away from them just like right and one kid said to me ma'am nobody ever talked to me like that before nobody ever talked to me like that before and I thought what are we saying (laughs) what are we saying to these kids it's it's a journey and it's an opportunity and and, uh, I'm just so thrilled that you're going come to LA one day and we'll be doing some work together.
0: Yes, I'm going to LA. I'm going to come to LA and I'm going to come and support Yoga for Youth because this is needed work. And I, I've learned in recent months that there's a lot of um, desensitization, um, deliberate ignorance, and dehumanization that is in the sight of many towards the Black community. Um, And I think the the South Asian community is also guilty of this, we're not innocent. Um, It's important to understand because most people would give a label and say, oh, well, young black kids like to fight, they like to be in gangs. That's why they listen to this aggressive music. And it means that two and two equals five and that's okay. And we can just let it be, right? Once we step in and we see them as our brothers, as our fathers, as our uncles, as our sons or daughters, whatever gender they may be, to identify them as ours, then we we feel a responsibility to step in. And that was the calling from George Floyd's mouth when he called for his mother, right? He called for every female to stand up and say that this is not okay because that can easily be Anybody that we know and we do know him. We do know George Floyd now, everybody knows his name. So it's it's so important for us to reflect internally and unlearn a lot of the negative language that we've housed and step into action, positive action, in the way that you're you're demonstrating for us and showing this that okay, this is how you can show up, this is how you can make a difference. you're amazing, Krishna.
1: Thank you. Oh, this is great! I'm so happy to be with you, and I'm so happy to be with your audience from all over the world. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful because I know that all over the world we're all having to deal with something like this, and I believe that this uh, age of Aquarius is going to happen through us, not mm-hmm. to us. And we hold the frequency of the nod. We hold the frequency of our thoughts, hold the frequency of who we think we are and how we vibrate. So even in our silence will be a healing force walking the road. Yeah. So, <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> what has it been like for you as a black woman navigating the Sikh and the Kundalini spaces?
1: Well, it's interesting. That's come up uh, recently a lot in my community. I mean, I've been aware of it all along, but, you know, it's, the community in, in, that I see is just, it's just a smaller version of the community that's all around me you know it's not any different it's 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 mostly white people there uh they mostly don't see things or understand things you know uh about black people (laughs) uh but so it it, but i i'm hearing more as people are speaking out now about their pain how how they've been uh how they've been treated by people in my community here and it's causing a tremendous amount of, of suffering because if you're not right in the middle of it, it's easy for you not to see it or not to experience it. You know, I, mean, I know it's there. It's there because it's in the culture. You step outside your door and you're steeped with it, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't expect it to be to not be there, but I do expect that at some point there'll be a broader, a more deeper understanding uh, that will not allow people to just hold those same kinds of thoughts and feelings. It's something that has to be worked on very, very deeply. Mm-hmm. And really, really soon, you know. So I'm, uh, thank you for asking that. It's healing to be done everywhere. Right. There's no place that is immune from that, not one.
0: Absolutely. And, and thank you for helping us to realize that, you know, we all have a responsibility to, to do that healing, to do that learning, mm-hmm. and to do that showing up as well. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about spiritual bypassing Mm. I wonder if you want to compare a few words about spiritual bypassing.
1: you know I hear the word, and I'm not sure I really totally understand it. You know, yes, yeah, so
0: just... it means when we use spirituality to avoid, suppress, or escape, like any uncomfortable issues that we have in our life. You know, um, often in many spiritual spaces, it can be you know just you know you just go and do do your prayers or go and do your puja or Go and do your adahs and that's going to fix everything. That's a form of spiritual bypassing.
1: So for me, that's like not doing it. You know, it's like you're not in it. You're not holding it. It's not, you're just doing lip service to it. You're doing the function, you're doing the behavior, you're doing your thing, but you're not really, you're not doing it from the right place. You're not doing it from where you are. So yeah, yeah, if, if that's what spiritual bypassing means, then yeah, then, then uh, there's a lot of that going on everywhere. You know, again, it's the culture that we're steeped in that supports that. It keeps pointing us in certain directions. It's behavior. Mm-hmm. It's on behavior, not on consciousness. You know, not, on, not on, on, on knowing who you are and behaving and acting and reacting from that place of who you are. Mm-hmm. So it all falls in the same place. If you're not really being you, Honestly, being you, owning you, then what are you doing? You know, you're playing a role. You're playing. You're doing a, a function. You're doing something, but you're not being you. And uh, and and yes, the churches are full of them. The synagogues are full of them. The boudoirs are full of them. You know, it's everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. And and uh, we've been somehow distanced from taking responsibility. If I'm doing this then I'm doing it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I'm not doing at it. <laughs> I'm doing it. If I say this is my faith, then it is my faith. I'm mm-hmm. following it from here. But, the, but we're so socialized into appearances that we can get away with just appearing to do something. Get away with showing up, like you said, You know, mm-hmm. without really being present. Mm-hmm. Showing up is not the same as being present. You know? But more than anything, it's like not being true to yourself. Right. Who do you do do you who do you care what people think about you? Why should you care? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. It's what I think about me. And if I'm telling the truth, if I'm being true to myself, I'm the one that has to judge that. I'm the one that's going to be affected by that. I'm the one that has to stand up with myself in the mirror and say, are you lying or are you telling the truth? You know?
0: Right.
1: Because I can play. <laughs> I can do that. You know, I've been in the theater. <laughs> I love it. I know how that goes, you know. You know. But uh, I'm not in the theater right now. Hmm. Except that Shakespeare said, he said, the whole world is a stage. Hmm. And all the men and women are really players, you know. And they have their entrances and exits, and at any time, any time they can either show up or not so yes we're all players out here Mm. but what will move you and make you a real artist the art of life is when you are telling the truth that your actions tell the truth of who you are your words speak the truth of who you are you're not framing them for somebody else to have an impact you're speaking your truth. And it doesn't matter whether it's accepted or not. It doesn't matter if it makes you look good or not. If you are integrity with who you are, with your truth and who you are, then things will begin to open up and you will begin to have an understanding of what your world, your work is in this life. Mm-hmm. Who you are and what you're supposed to do. You know? It's freeing. <laughs> it's freeing. I don't have to, I don't have to be what they want or they want or this wants or that wants. Ah, I'm free. Yay. <laughs> 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 yes. yeah. You know, why not? Mm. Why not? Yeah, and sometimes the me I the me I be, I don't like it. <laughs> but I if I see it and own it, then I can fix it, I can change it, I can adjust it. But yeah. if I don't own it, if you don't own it, then you can't change it, you know. Hmm. If you don't own it, you can't fix it.
0: You can't adjust it. If you can't own it, you can't fix it. I love that.
1: Do it. You can't do it, you know?
0: So beautiful.
1: You can't just pretend. <laughs> yes. And it people cool. make them think that, you know?
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, anyway.
0: No, I love that. It's it, For me, everything that you think, it's what Sikhi calls you out on, is the difference between ritualistically bowing your head and giving your head, surrendering the ego and serving a greater good, a greater cause, right? Connecting with humanity, being one. That's what Sikhi is supposed to do. So, I, I absolutely agree with you. That's what we all need to strive for. do. And we can only do that when we're reflecting internally to identify ourselves what our shortcomings are. That's where the real work happens.
1: Yeah, you know, Yogi Bhajan used the word, he said, said, zero yourself. Zero yourself. Just become zero. Which is a very refreshing thing to think about. That, okay, being zero means I'm I'm nothing. Mm -hmm. I have nothing. I own nothing. This is nothing. That's nothing. You know? And what... What becomes something is what I, I create for my consciousness, you know, for my prayer, for my
0: prayer. Beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing to speak with you. I'm, I'm learning so much myself. Um, we're coming towards the end of the show, and I want to ask you if you'd like to leave everybody who's tuned in with a message. <laughs>
1: Well, I I guess where we ended, just be you, you know, honor you, look back through all of your life experiences and decide what of all of that is really you. Whatever isn't, bless it and let it go. You're not mad at it. You don't resent it. It just doesn't belong to you. Free yourself to be yourself. That's all we need.
0: Yourself, to be yourself. How beautiful. Oh, Krishna, you're magnificent. <laughs>
1: yeah, thank you for letting me share myself with you and thank you for sharing you with me and giving me a chance to be with your
0: family, your
1: audience family here. It's, it's joyous.
0: It's been such a deep honor to share this space with you. and I I absolutely cannot wait. To be in LA and and work together and serve together and share together. We'll have fun. We definitely will have lots of fun. We'll laugh
1: a lot. We'll cry a lot. We'll have a lot of fun.
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank you, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being in this space of core voices and sharing a small glimpse of your journey with us. It's been truly inspiring. And I hope that we'll have you back again to share more chapters from your beautiful journey.
1: <laughs> thank you very much. It will be an honor.
0: Thank, like, you. Thank, thank you, Krishna. You. And thank you to everybody who tuned in to join us. Don't forget to tune in again next week for Core Voices.